You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. You can open your Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 39 to 45, Lord willing, today. I want to start by asking you guys a question this morning. And the question is this. What package um, are you most excited about this uh, Christmas season? What package? What package are you most excited about this, this Christmas season? Do you know that Amazon last year delivered 5 billion packages worldwide? I just think about that. 5 billion. One company. Do you know that UPS will deliver approximately 800 million packages in December of this year? 800 million in one month. This year's a little iffy when it comes to Canada Post, but did you know that last year that Canada Post delivered one million packages a day in December? One million packages a day in Canada last December. That's a lot of packages. So again, the question is, what package are you most excited about this Christmas season? What package are you most excited about this Christmas season? Just be honest, are you most excited about this package? There's a lot of these floating around. You're just like, what's in it? What's in it? Are you most excited about this package? What you got to know about this package is that this package can only take you so far. God forgive us. You know, one of the things as a hopefully maturing Christ follower is over the years when you get some gifts for your kids or whatever and Christmas morning comes along or whatever it is that you're opening the presents, there's a sense that you're excited for them to receive a gift, but the other sense of you, you're kind of sad. I honestly feel sadness in some ways because as they open their gift, here's what I know, it's only going to last so long. In some ways, it's quite depressing at times how little it actually lasts. We're talking hours, days, if you're lucky, maybe a week or so, and all of a sudden that gift they were so excited about, it's sitting in the corners, left untouched. This package will only take you so far. And us as adults, we look at our kids and we're like, oh, look at the things they want, but we're no different. I mean, we hide a little better, but we're always just as excited for our gifts and our presents. This gift will only take you so far. Everything in biblical wisdom tells us that. But listen, there's a gift, there's a gift that takes you all the way to heaven. There's one gift in this world that guarantees you entrance into eternal life with Jesus Christ as a co-heir and seeing the glory of the Father for eternity. That package is the greatest gift ever delivered. And loved ones, here's our sermon title, here's the good news, that package, the gift of life, That package has arrived. That package has arrived with the first Christmas, and that package is changing lives since that moment, continuing to this very present day. Loved ones, the package has arrived, only one package we should really, at the end of the day, want. This package is described in beautiful detail, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And by the way, last week we were in the passage of Gabriel to Mary. We stopped at verse 38, now we're going to pick up in verse 39, and Lord willing, next week, we're going to pick up in verse 46. We're just going one verse after another in this beautiful, tight, but again, beautiful sequence in God's word in Luke chapter 1. Verse 39, Gospel of Luke. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, 
She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Awesome. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. God, fill your church with your spirit, amen? Do it, Lord. Fill your church with your Holy Spirit. Just like Elizabeth here. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, a prophetic word. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And notice, notice, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then she ends with this, and blessed is she who believed, who believed, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. As you read this text carefully, you'll notice one word is mentioned three times. It's the word blessed. Christmas story is so much about blessing. The Lord is handing out blessing specifically here to three different people, Mary, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist. God's beautiful blessing to three different people in three many different ways. Listen, but they're all focused on the incarnation. See, I want you to see this through the Christmas narratives. The more you gaze at Christ, the more blessed you are. Mary, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, they're all intensely focusing and gazing upon the Christ child who at this point is probably a few days old in the womb of Mary. And yet he is the game changer. He is the source of joy. Jesus is the one who makes infinite difference within our lives. And so what we see in them, we want to see in us. They are all very aware that the package has arrived. And it's radically changing their lives. Here's the question we want to ask. Are we aware? Are we aware that the package has arrived? Some of us will say, well, of course I'm aware. I mean, Christmas was like 2,000 years ago. No, no, we're going to find out if our lives are proving the fact that we just said that we're aware. Are we aware that the package has arrived. We're going to see five signs that we're aware that the package has truly arrived, not just then, but in our hearts now. Number one is this. If I'm aware the package has arrived, I live with urgency. I will undeniably live with urgency on this huge biblical theme. Again, verse 39, take a look. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste, circle, underline, highlight, haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, let's remember Mary just received the life-changing message from Gabriel, including the details of Elizabeth and Elizabeth's pregnancy. So again, when you're reading scripture, especially the narratives, place yourself in the text, okay? You're Mary, you're a teenager, you're confronted by the angel Gabriel, you've received this, this astounding message. I mean, really, many, this unbelievable message that you're going to uh, conceive and, and you're going to give birth to the Son of God who's going to grow in you. I mean, just like, really? Like, so imagine the wonder of Mary she travels. Imagine the thrill. Imagine just the, 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 the emotion she must have been feeling as she's walking but almost floating along to greet her cousin Elizabeth to really have this confirm that what she heard was true. Because if there's one person in the world that she could relay this message to, they wouldn't look at her and say, you're nuts. It was Elizabeth. 
Because Elizabeth was also part of God's plan at this time. And the, 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 the reunion of these two cousins coming together. Just imagine that moment. So we have to see here, Christmas in its essence is blessing. God's blessing being given to a lost and dark world. And the more you see the child, the more you are blessed. The more you are blessed, the more you feel the urgency of the reality of what you are living within. Each week, I want to put a verse up here. Each week in our series, I want to show you some Christmas prophecy. This one comes from Acts chapter 3. You're like, well, Acts is chronologically, biblically after Luke. So then how is this prophecy? This is Peter speaking to the Jews who talks to them, but then looks back to what God said to the prophets and Moses and how that applies to his current day relating to the incarnation and then the fulfillment of the Messiah and his crucifixion and resurrection. It's awesome. Okay? Acts 3. Peter speaking, he says, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet, okay? Moses predicted Jesus would come. A prophet like me from your brothers, you you shall listen to him whatever he tells you. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel, from those who have come after him, also proclaim these days, what days? The coming of Jesus Christ. So Peter says, listen, the whole Old Testament's pointing to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he turns, next slide, now he turns and he speaks directly to the Jews in Acts chapter 3 who are listening to him. And he says, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham. See, like, you are the ones who came physically from Abraham. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have ears to hear? Right? Because what was said again to Abraham, in your offspring, Jesus, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. A massive prophecy of the Messiah coming to redeem the world for those who believe in him and love him. God having, listen, shall be blessed. And God having raised up his servant, which of course again is Jesus, send him to you first uh, to tell, let's say together, to bless you, notice, and to be blessed and to bless you, notice how we're blessed, by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So Christmas in its essence is the blessing of God. It's the blessing of God entering the world to turn us from sin, to give us life, to let us see light, to experience God's love, and to know his favor. Christmas is blessing. Have we received the blessing? Are we aware of this package of blessing? Mary is, and Mary begins to go with haste to see this news that she's received is confirmed. It creates in her a beautiful urgency, and she goes to Elizabeth. Remember, two women, both miraculous conceptions, uh, one a virgin, one an old barren woman, way past the time of being able to produce a child. Mary's journey would be about 80 miles, 120 kilometers. Um, Nazareth was in the north part of, of, of Israel, uh, where she was going to visit. Uh, Elizabeth was in the southern part of Israel, again, about 120 kilometers, a four-day journey. The Bible tells us that Mary wasted no time. And why did she waste no time? Was she ashamed? I don't, I don't think so. Later on in Luke, it tells us that she returned home after three months. That's when she started to be showing, is when she returned home. I think she's just given a God-given urgency and eagerness 
to see the reality of this awesome story of God unfolding before her midst. And she could not wait to greet Elizabeth, who could come together in this moment. Again, just imagine that scene. Mary walking in and greeting Elizabeth. What did Mary want to do? The same thing we should want to do with a Christmas story. Mary wanted to share truth. Mary wanted to say the plan of God is unfolding the gospel. Loved ones, we in our life, we should want to share the truth of Christmas as well. There should be a growing burden in us to shine the light of the Lord Jesus Christ has been a great theme of even the service today. Mary wanted to share her faith. And think about it. Her faith, as in not faith with Elizabeth, but like the fact that she's feeling the faith and her excitement for Christ, and she joins with Elizabeth, and her faith would be confirmed with Elizabeth. Again, the joy between the two of them. Imagine that. The encouragement, the supernatural moment of these two women coming, and they both know what's happening. The only two women in the world at that point who understand the magnitude of this moment. There's an urgency to that. There should be an urgency with us as well. Notice there's an urgency to share fellowship. Again, think about it. Is there anyone else that Mary could actually tell this story to? I mean, her parents, it's just like, hey, so this angel Gabriel came from God, and he showed up, and he told me that I'm going to get pregnant, but not by a man, but by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed me, and then he is like, I'm going to give birth to the Son of God, the very Son of God, the one you've never seen before. He's going to come down to earth. He's going to start in my womb. I'm going to give birth to him. He's going to be the king and the savior of the world and save people from their sins. And her parents will be like, what are you smoking, Mary? Like, honestly, right? I mean, if you're a parent, you're like, really? Like, like that's nice, hon. You go back to bed. Let's probably sick a little bit here. Let's get you healthy so you start thinking rationally. If there's one person she could share this message with to understand, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, she goes with haste for the fellowship that is found in a, the fellowship that is found in like-minded believers who love the Lord Jesus Christ and are on the same page. Don't ever discount that. The power of being together that we can rejoice together in the greatest truth ever. And then, of course, she has an urgency to share her joy, to share her joy. Last thing I want to say about this is, notice Mary is so, she's so transfixed as understandable on Christ. All, her whole life at this point is purity. There's no time for trash, man. There's no time for garbage. You know what I'm saying? Like, she won't be distracted right now because she's so aware of Christ She's so, her gaze is so fixed on Jesus Christ that when the trash starts to try to enter in, she's like, I don't even have any, any desire for the trash, for the sin, for the distraction, for the ridiculousness. You, you want to see the trash be put out of your life and your heart? The more we are focused in the purity of Jesus Christ, the more our lives take on the same image. The more purity enters into our hearts and from our mouths and in our thoughts, the more we are focused on Jesus Christ, the more we become like him. The purity comes in and the trash goes out. It's one of the hugely beautiful themes of the Christmas story as well. There's such an awareness of Christ. There's no time. There's no time for all that garbage that seeks to bring us down. God help us. It's the same reason the shepherds ran with great haste to see the child. You know, you ever thought about how often we are living with haste, but for all the wrong things? Do you ever think about how often we are rushing to what? Rushing to absolutely nothing. 
Are you like me sometimes and you're so anxious to get home and fight through traffic, but you're like, what am I getting home to? Sometimes you're rushing home just to sit there. Sit there and do what? I don't know. Watch some television show. Rushing home, having road rage, getting angry at people for taking one car spot in front of you, and in the end, for what? So often in this world, we're rushing, eternally speaking, to nothing. God, give us wisdom. Am I aware the package has arrived? If I'm aware the package has arrived, man, I will live with a biblical Christ-centered urgency, number two. If I'm aware the package has arrived, I will be filled with God's spirit. Look at verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is an amazing verse. Elizabeth simply hears Mary's voice, and J the B leaps in her womb. That's awesome. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, so beautiful. Loved ones, at the center of this text is Jesus Christ. Everything that's happening of power and glory is all centered at the Son of God. All the faith, all the joy, all the power, all the strength. It's centered on Jesus Christ. The, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit within this passage is centered on Jesus Christ. The great ministry of the Holy Spirit is to be a spotlight to shine upon Jesus Christ. If you want the power of God's Spirit to fill your life, the Spirit of God fills most the people who are in love with the Son of God. The Spirit of God delights in the Son of God, and the Spirit of God fills the people of God who also delight in the Son of God. Let's just be honest right now. As we read this passage right here, a lot of us, a lot of us right now, we want the joy of Elizabeth, we want the power of John the Baptist, and we want the favor of Mary. We just do. We read this. I want the joy of Elizabeth, I want the favor of Mary, and I want the power of John the Baptist. But here's the better question right now. But do you want God's son? Because that's how they knew their favor and joy and strength because their whole life was about Jesus Christ. We want the blessing. We often don't want him. I'm just speaking the truth because I see my own heart. We so often hold our hands out to receive what God we think he should give us. But in the end, we're missing the whole point of the giver. And think what a terrible sin that is. Give me all your blessing, Lord, but I'll just kind of disregard you in the process. Don't miss, man, everything that's happening within this story of the power and the filling of God's spirit. Every person involved is 100% aware of the package that's arrived. And they know all glory is found in him. And they love him. And they want to praise him and worship him. And that's where they know the joy, the favor, and the strength. Please, Lord, fill your church with the same. Let us also be reminded the single greatest hindrance to the Holy Spirit filling our lives is sin. Sin quenches God's spirit in our lives. Sin grieves the spirit of God in our lives. Sin is the great deterrent to our affection and singing and service and sanctification. So I thought about this Christmas season right now and I was thinking, well, what are some of the most prominent sins in this season that, that, that deter or quench the spirit of God within our lives? And I'm going to call them seasonal sins. Now that's kind of ridiculous because they're always sins. But let's just say, what are we most susceptible to during this season? And I came up with a list that started with G's. Why G's? I don't know. 
It just sounded good, and it seemed to flow, okay? So here are some seasonal sins focused on the theme of, gee, number one is this, greed. As much as this is supposed to be a season of giving, let's just be honest, man. It often turns into a season of greed. If you want to reduce the power of God's Spirit in your life, then just keep on making it about us, about accumulation, about pursuing stuff that will never ultimately satisfy. Here's another G, gluttony. That's a seasonal sin. All the food, it's great, it's great. Nothing against food, amen? It's good. The, the, the wonderful variety that God creates, the infinite combinations of taste buds and, and of flavor. At the end of the day, it's amazing to me though how we stuff our faces so full and so fat that in the end, we have no appetite left over for the Lord. And you know I speak truth about this too. It's good, it's good, but there's a line you cross. And all of a sudden, we're so focused on the idol of our food and feeding our stomachs that our hearts become barren and desolate. When the Christ child's over in the corner wanting our affection, longing for our adoration, and we're too busy worshiping the physical food instead of the bread of life. Next one. Gorging on entertainment. That's a seasonal sin. Uh, ladies, a uh, Har- Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Guys, everything else. I mean, think about it. Again, I don't mind a good Christmas movie or whatever. Some of the things that even our family does together. But the reality is, is that if we're so filling ourselves with the mindless form of entertainment, it's taking us away from pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ, that's going to really limit God's spirit within our lives. Next one. Green with envy. There's a sin. We're so focused on other people. We fail to realize our own hearts before the Lord. We're going to see that in the text today. The purity and the power of seeing Christ. Stop looking around, man. Just look within. Here's another one. Gift obsessed. We talked about that. The materialism, the, 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 the commercialism of our season causes us to be so focused on an object that we miss the Son, the God of glory. Here's another one. Idolatrous gaming. Why did I have to put gaming? Because gaming always applies in our day. doesn't matter what we're talking about, when we're talking about. I'm not saying gaming's a sin in itself, but it quickly becomes idolatrous and starts to take our hearts away from Christ and grieves the Spirit of God. Next one, going nonstop. This grieves me in this, this season of Christmas and Again, we're often rushing, we're rushing, we're rushing, we're rushing. I get it, man. There's like to-do lists and there's dinners need to be prepared and the things that need to be done and just the thing. But, but just, just again, just the commotion and the hamster wheel and the spinning of the plates and the frantic pace and the stress we feel. And just, but just, just do it long enough and just say, stop, time out, time out. What am I doing? Why am I so stressed out? What am I worried about really? Just time out for a second. Is this that important? Just ask the question. The frantic pace, the incredible busyness is one of the greatest deterrents to actually seeking and listening and hearing the voice of God and knowing his spirit fill our lives. Maybe we have two more. Next one is gossip. Why? Well, it starts with the G. 
But listen, the, the tongue is like a fire that sets a forest ablaze. How important it is that we guard our tongues, that we will not grieve. I'm thinking that this probably here too is one of the greatest grievances and, and hindrances of God's spirit within our lives. The words we choose to say. Last one. Grinch-like. Just in a season where there should be joy from Christ. Because we're, honestly, because we're focusing on all these other things, then we become super grumpy. And we become miserly. And we lack a generosity. And it, you know, I just want to say that right there. Just um, our, our inability to be generous will grieve the work of the Spirit of God within our lives as well. Um, giving and generosity is such a, a part of, of the evidence that God's Spirit is working within us. We don't hoard or hold on to, we release and we give. If I'm aware of the package of blessing, then I will be filled with God's spirit. Oh, Lord, may it be so. Thirdly, if I'm aware of the package of blessing, I am humbled by grace. I am humbled by grace. Look at verse 42 now. And she exclaimed with a loud cry. Um, um, that, that expression, loud cry, again, used as a prophetic utterance. So the Holy Spirit now is giving Elizabeth a prophetic word. She is stating something she could not know otherwise in herself. A loud cry. Notice, blessed are you among women. Notice she doesn't say above women. She says, blessed are you among women. Mary's a woman. In the Jewish culture, I'll wait to get that in just a second. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, she says here, okay? So again, notice, you are most blessed among all women. Why? Because again, in Jewish culture, women's greatness was based upon the children they bore. So if you are going to give birth to the Son of God, um, well, that's the biggest blessing there is, okay? So this is what Elizabeth is recognizing. Also, notice, um, Elizabeth is probably 60 years older than Mary. In Jewish culture, for her to honor someone who's a teenager in this way, it just doesn't happen. Unthinkable. It's like the opposite of what happened in that culture. But here's what God is doing. God is moving. And Elizabeth is a godly woman. She has a righteousness growing within her. She hears the Spirit of God, and she speaks blessing. She knows what's right. She says, blessed is the fruit of your womb, meaning your child, Mary, will be the greatest ever. Now remember, Elizabeth's child is the greatest person ever born, besides Jesus, John the Baptist. She was promised in Luke 1, through the angel's message to Zechariah, your child will be great. But she knows that Mary's child will be the greatest. And I want you to see here too, notice in this exchange between Elizabeth and Mary, notice there isn't even a hint of jealousy or envy from Elizabeth towards Mary. Not even a hint. Do you ever think about in our lives when we can receive such blessing? We're so blessed, but in our wicked uh, state of a hardened heart, we're so blessed, but we look across and we're like, how come I don't have that? How come I want to be number one? How come we can't understand like, the, 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 the full blessing of being a child of God and all that we've received, but then we look ahead and we, and we want what someone else has? Elizabeth could have done that. She'd be like, well, I got a great child. How come I can't be the one to give birth to it? But see, but see, when you're so focused on Jesus Christ, jealousy and envy just dissipate. 
Because again, when you're looking at the one who is all sufficient, and you know that you've received everything you could possibly ever want in Jesus Christ. Again, when the thoughts of, of jealousy or envy come in, you're just like, whatever, whatever. I've got everything. I don't need that. I'm not going to be distracted by that. I have everything in Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. Are you jealous right now? It's a sign that our gaze is off. Are we filled with envy? That's a full proof, man. We're not looking properly. We don't get it. Are you struggling with jealousy right now? Hold Jesus. Like, hold, go, as whatever you do, hold Jesus. Gaze upon Jesus, the Son of God, the light of life, the one who's given you uh, salvation over your sins and death and freed you from hell, and he's yours, and, and you are his. And the more you stare at him, the less you will start wanting other things around you. Because you have the greatest treasure in the history of the universe. And he's yours by grace. I love Elizabeth's example right here. That's the power of Christmas, man. And then notice her, her humility and the humility of grace continues in verse 43. She says, and why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord. That phrase, my Lord, is proof of the deity of Christ again. She's calling Mary the mother of God Almighty in terms of her Lord, at least. She's identifying Jesus as, as, as God himself. The mother of my Lord should come to me. Again, notice the increasing humility of Mary the more she is sensing the presence of God upon her life. It's, it's like Elizabeth. She just starts to kind of decrease, 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 decrease. One of the great signs that we know the package and we're aware that it has truly arrived, um, certain sayings start being heard from our mouths, like, like sincerely, like, I'm not worthy. Um, he, must, he must increase, I must decrease. Or, um, I deserve nothing, but I've received everything. Here's a phrase that will be heard from your mouth and mine. The more we're aware the package has arrived, it's this. It's, why me, Lord? Why me? That's what Elizabeth is saying. She's like, why me? Why is, do I get to receive and be a part of when the mother of my Lord should come to me? Like there's a genuine, and here's what we do in our sinful state. We say why me to God, but we say it in complaint. How could you do this, God? Why is my life like this? Why are my situations turning out? Why me, Lord? Why do I have to go through this? Why am I subject to this? Why me? Why me? And it's all from a situation of complaint against God and calling him unfair, unjust, unkind. But when you really see grace, you will never say those words in the negative. When you and I really see grace, the only things that will come from our mouths is, why should I be saved in light? You ever, if you're like me, like you're like, you're driving to church this morning and you're looking at the empty roads and house after house after house that you have to assume is filled with people who do not know Jesus Christ, who are spiritually dead, who at this moment are totally blind and lost and going to hell. And you're driving along and you're heading to a place of worship where Jesus Christ is alive and he's allowed you and quickened your heart to see the truth of life and you know the blessing and the filling of God's spirit and you know the grace. And then at that moment you're like, God, why me? Why have I been given the gift of sight? It wasn't because I was special. It wasn't because I earned it. 
I can't explain why I know Christ when I deserve death and so much of the world around me at this point is totally blind to the knowledge and reality of Jesus Christ as Lord. Why me? Can you explain that? Can you explain, if you're truly alive in Jesus Christ right now, can you explain why you have been saved? But you can't attribute that to your own doing. That's the Lord. It's humbling, man. And the more you're aware of grace, you join with Elizabeth. And you say, ultimately, why me? I'm aware the package has arrived when I'm humbled by grace. Number four, I love this one. I'm aware when I leap with joy. Verse 44 is one of the coolest verses in the Christmas story. Verse 44, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So notice Mary is blessed, Elizabeth is blessed, and now our third individual, he's not going to miss out on the blessing. John the Baptist in the womb. We're told twice in this passage that John leaps in the womb of Elizabeth. Verse 41, and now verse 44. Verse 44 gives it more explanation. This wasn't a normal baby leaping. This was, this was John the Baptist, ready, starting his ministry. This is, this, is, this is John the Baptist's first sermon. It was a sermon of action. Remember, John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Messiah. And he didn't waste a moment, did he? The first chance he got, he hears the voice of Mary. He leaps in the womb, not for Mary, but for Christ. Here is John already expressing his joy in Jesus Christ. And by the way, this was prophesied and promised. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 15. Verse 15. Here's the angel speaking to Zechariah. And it says... For he, John the Baptist, will be great, Luke 1, 15, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I just feel the Lord wants me to say this right now, okay? Christmas season, if you want to grieve the Holy Spirit in your life, just get drunk. Just abuse alcohol. Just get tipsy. Just enough to take your mind off of the things of the Lord. Go get high. That'll, that'll quench the Spirit of God in, in, in a great hurry. I think that's why this is in here. He must not drink wine or strong drink. And the very next thing it says, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice this, ready? Even from his mother's womb. Even from his mother's womb. How awesome is that? It's awesome. The joy that John the Baptist, again, experiences in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, loved ones, again, you want joy? Look at John, uh, John 3 here. John chapter 3, and here's John the Baptist speaking about this as well. Do we got John chapter 3 coming up? There it is. Okay, this is, this is John the Baptist. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, and the friend, John the Baptist, of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices. John the Baptist's joy was fully rooted in Christ as proven in the womb of his mother and then with his ministry. Rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. How awesome is that? The connection of Mary's voice and then the voice of Jesus. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Why? Because the Messiah is here. Jesus Christ has begun his ministry. He's like, my joy is complete. My joy is in Jesus. That's a sign that we are aware that the package has arrived, joy. Leaping for joy. Of course, joy then one of the great themes of Christmas. The angels, our whole series on this verse, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Great joy. 
Hark the herald angels sing. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. O come all ye faithful. O come all ye faithful. Joyful and triumphant. Come thou long expected Jesus. Joy of every longing heart. Probably the greatest, most popular Christmas carol. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy, 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 joy. The joy that is found in Jesus Christ. Fill your church with joy. Why so much joy? Ready? Peace is here. Redemption is coming. Reconciliation to the Father. Victory over death. Light and life, as we sung multiple times today. The greatest source of joy ever. The gospel. Salvation. Rescued from sin. Again, the light and life of love. What other present can give you that? None. No one. Nothing can give you that kind of joy that's found in Jesus Christ. If we are aware that the, are we really aware the package has arrived, we will leap for joy. You know, part of what's happening around the Holy Spirit showing us we're not aware. But the Holy Spirit also says, but you can be. And I want you to be. And I want to fill you that you might have the joy. And he's showing us how. The last point is this. If you're aware, then we believe or I believe. I believe it's, it's that simple. Such a beautiful way to end. Look at, look, at, look at verse 45. This is a statement at Mary, but it's also, it's generic enough in the original. It's pointing to all people of all time. Notice, and blessed is she who believed, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, I think there's some irony in this, or there's some kind of connections here as well. Because remember, as Mary goes into the house of Zechariah, as the text says, and greeted Elizabeth, we got to imagine Zechariah is not too far from this scene. you got to imagine maybe he's even in the house somewhere. Maybe he's right beside them. Zechariah was mute. Remember that? He was struck mute because he did not believe what the angel Gabriel told him. Of course, Elizabeth has been living with a mute husband for six months. Yeah, it is funny, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of marriage principles in that one, isn't there? Yeah. So she's living with Zechariah who cannot speak for six months because he didn't believe. And here she is filled with the, with, with, with the Spirit of God. And she turns and you wonder if Zechariah is kind of like there in, like in the same proximity. Does she turn and say to Zechariah, read my lips. Blessed is she who believes in what the Lord said to her would be fulfilled. And what a humbling moment that is for Zechariah. But here's the thing, the, 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 the truth and the blessing. What God says, God will do. I want to flip verse 45 upside down, okay? If you take the progression of verse 45 upside down, here it is, ready? What God says, God will do. If I believe, I am blessed. See the word? Know that God means what he says. You believe in the word and you're blessed by the truth of God. What God says, God will do. If I believe, then I am blessed. How the promises of God are immensely powerful. And I wrote down some Christmas promises just to end our message here this weekend. I wrote down some promises found within Christmas. There could be many more, but here are some of the most essential. This is what God says from his word that Christmas was promised to do. A savior for my sins. A light to defeat my darkness. Yes, Lord. A son to secure my redemption. A prince that guarantees my peace. 
a peace that will never end, a joy that overcomes my all, all of Christmas is promised to deliver these results. Next slide. A knowledge of salvation. Jesus Christ came to bring the knowledge of salvation of how we are saved from our sins. The promise that God is with us, Emmanuel, at Christmas. The works of the devil are destroyed, taken straight from 1 John 3, 8. The devil himself will be defeated through the promises of Christmas. To know a freedom for those who are under oppression or captivity. This is why Christ came. And maybe the greatest promise of all, because it's the greatest virtue of all love. God sent his son at Christmas. He delivered this package because it's a love that leads to eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Listen, whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I appeal to you today, you are here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not wait another moment. Turn from your sin, repent of your sin, and turn to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Cease to live for that which does not matter. And start to live for the one who grants joy and light and life. Here's what I promise you, okay? You give your life to Jesus Christ, your life in this world will not be harder, or at least it will not get easier. It will be harder for sure. I promise you that. I speak from tons of experience, but it will be infinitely better. He is so worth it. What would you give for eternal life to be saved from sin and death and hell itself? That's why Christmas is here. God brought his blessing into the world. And everyone who receives this package by faith and the grace of God, you can't earn it, you can't earn it. You will be free, you will be saved, and you will belong to the God of the universe guaranteed a spot in heaven forever. Who here today, this is your time to pronounce Jesus Christ, I need you, save me, I believe in you, wash me. Who here today, this is your moment. This is why Jesus came, to live and die and be raised from the dead. Oh, may God save lives right now in our midst. Let's pray. Father, grant your church joy and grant your church life. Grant your church, Lord, perspective. Grant your church favor. Grant your church, Lord, the ability to see Holy Spirit of God, I pray. You will move. You will cause us to rejoice. You will allow us, Lord, to know why we live and who we live for. Yes, Lord, would you do this? Oh, God, I pray. Open up minds, Lord. Take the blinders off some people, Lord. Set them free from their bondage and captivity, Lord, to the chains of darkness, even right now. And maybe you've already done this, Lord, in this service. Oh God, I pray it would be known. I pray that the assurance would be felt so strong. I pray the hope and life and joy, the life that will get harder in many ways, but it'll be infinitely awesome and better. That's what Jesus Christ promises. And ultimately to live for the world to come. So Lord, I pray even now as we respond in song, we, we can just even put a cap on this whole message by rejoicing in you, Emmanuel, in Jesus' name. Amen.